0: Welcome to the Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. Lehman Property Management Company has the apartment you will be able to call home with over 1,600 apartment units available in central Illinois. Visit them today at MidwestShelters.com or visit them on Facebook. Chad Hay and Gay is my guest today. As a marriage and family therapist who has spent two and a half decades devoted to working with families, I would consider him an expert in the field. He has a unique way of summing up these powerful ideas in simple and memorable statements. You're going to conclude this conversation experiencing a sense of purposeful direction for your parenting and knowing where to start. Here's our chat. Welcome to the Savvy Sauce, Chad.
1: Thank you. I'm so glad to be here.
0: Well, will you just start us off by sharing a little bit more about yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So... I've been married for 28 years. I have three daughters, two that are in their 20s and one that's a 19-year-old. Uh, and nothing said COVID 2020 graduation like getting your diploma in the mail. So I've been with Connected Families uh, since 2005. I'm a marriage and family therapist and a certified life coach. Uh, and For a number of years, did lots of work with teens who are at risk, did lots of counseling with kids and teens as well. You know, personally, faith was something that I grew up with. I remember uh, accepting Christ when I was seven years old. And I I just remember the the impact of recognizing that I was a sinner and that I just kind of had this idea of scales. Like if I did more good than than not good, then I'd probably be okay. And I was falling behind fast. And I remember as a seven-year-old, just the good news was truly good news for me that uh, Jesus had paid the penalty for my sin. And I was able to receive that. And uh, it was such a a powerful, powerful thing. But I I think faith probably became more my own when I was in college. And I just remember one evening in college, late at night, uh, I was wrestling around. I felt like I was I was confessing the same sins over and over to God every day. (laughs) I was so tired of it and uh, was exasperated. And I I came across 1 Peter 2.24, and it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And I thought, oh, wow, okay. And this idea popped into my head at at probably 1 or 2 in the morning, Uh, And I just, I started to write down all the sins that I've ever ever committed and wrote them out on a piece of paper. And, and I thought, I'm going to go out outside. And I ran down downstairs out the front door to this tree. uh, And I didn't have a hammer. I found a nail in my wall from a picture that I had hung. (laughs) And, and I pounded with a, with a hard soled shoe, this nail into the tree and hung my sins on the tree. And I said, God, if you, if you truly forgive me for all of my sins, would you would you have this be gone, <laughs> this list of sins? Would you take them away in the morning or have them be gone by morning? And uh, so I went to bed and uh, woke up earlier than I probably ever did in college, <laughs> ran down the steps probably at 7 o'clock in the morning and uh, out the door, and uh, my sins were gone. And it was just such a powerful picture for me and just a, a reassurance and it was it's kind of this this completion of my ownership of my own faith that um I just really felt like God was with me uh and uh, he was he was going to guide me so anyway that's uh that's a little bit about me and faith and family and work and things like that Wow,
0: Chad, that is such a powerful testimony. And now that you've dedicated your career to bettering relationships, what would you say is your hope for family relationships?
1: Good question. I mean, families have so many dynamics and uh, you, you toss a new child into the mix and it changes everything. But I think one one word that stands out to me regarding family relationships is authenticity. I think uh, when we can be authentic as parents and uh, really bring an authenticity to relationships, like, I don't have it all together. Uh, And you you hear of the the families going to church on Sunday. I think it was true probably for our family as well when I was a kid, as well as uh, early on with our family and our daughters that it doesn't really matter what just happened, just act like it looks good, right? Just just make it look good. <laughs> and so you know, I think if kids grow up believing that their parents never mess up or kids get in trouble for doing things that maybe their parents do but parents aren't held accountable for, they can start to look at their parents maybe as more hypocritical or it's like, hmm, you know. So, so I think in terms of relationships, uh, if we can just be honest uh, with where we're at, with who we are, struggles, you know, age appropriate, of course, and thinking through the lens of it's not, you know, I think you've heard sometimes that our values are caught, not taught. And I think it's both. They're actually caught and taught. And so, you know, one of the things that we did early on in our parenting was um, our, probably our oldest daughter was maybe seven or eight years old, and we started family meetings. And uh, one of the first questions that we asked our kids it was if we could be the best family that we could be what would we be like? Like not better than every other family, not a competition, but starting to develop a little bit of a vision as a family. Like what are we about here? What are what unique, unique gifts and talents has God given our family that we could use to to bless or honor other people and bring glory to Him? And I think that kind of question for the whole family, not just me like handing down an edict to the family, this is what we're about. It's like, yeah, oh, let's— Explore this, let's ask each other some questions uh, and pray about it and see what happens and you know we ended up uh when my kids were i think eleventh, eighth, and fourth grade. we ended up in Mexico for a year, doing a year long year you know year of ministry there and uh, I don't think we would have done that if we hadn't set some groundwork for blessing other people and using our gifts to to honor and bless them so you know, I, I think that, that authenticity uh, and then open and honest kind of looking towards the vision. What's our family about is such an important question to, to answer.
0: That's such a great question because every answer could be unique to each family, but yes. I love how you worked it out with the Lord. And the organization that you're a part of now is called Connected Families. So how can each of us grow a connected family?
1: It's a great question, and I I think the framework that we teach from connected families is just so helpful and instructive here in that if you you picture a a pyramid and uh, you start with the foundation, we just talk about four keys here. Uh, One is just a a strong foundation. Like when parents know who they are in Christ and we gain our value from Christ, If, if you read Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2, you'll probably find about 25 to 27 you are statements. The Apostle Paul is saying, Remember, a believer in Christ, this is who you are. And it's not conditional based on how your kids behave or how things look or what your status is or anything like that. This is who you are. And so remembering who we are, uh, and I will always challenge parents, challenge myself initially uh, with the question Can I be okay even if my child's behavior is not okay? Or do I need my child to behave well in order for me to be okay? Like, where does my value come from? So that foundation is is lifelong parent work. And then the next the next part of the framework, moving up from foundation, is connect. Say, so, and we talk about connected families, and kind of define connection as a, a place where our kids would understand that we know them, we love them, and we enjoy them. And so, you know, looking through the lens of knowing, loving, and enjoying. And I think we've all walked into a room before where people were truly excited to see us. Like, (laughs) like, oh, it's you. Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad to see you. Right. And we're just like we're known, we're loved, and we're enjoyed. And so that uh, that piece of strong connection. And then there's this, the next piece of the framework is coach, where we're looking through the lens of what? gifts and talents our kids have and helping them to develop them and refine them. What uniquenesses have our kids been gifted with and how do we grow that so that they can use those to bless and honor other people, bring glory to God. And then the fourth aspect here is correction. And and most parents want to start there. Like when I do parent coaching or talking to to parents, they'll oftentimes want to have the question answered. What should I do when my child either won't do this or won't stop doing that? And it's an important one. And so what do we do to, to bring correction that's good guidance and wisdom building to our kids in situations where they where they may have gone off track? And so when we're thinking about a growing a connected family, I think those four elements are uh, really key and good guiding principles.
0: That's a really helpful picture. I like that. And you've kind of flipped maybe our paradigm, but we think it starts with that correction. But I can see yes. why that would be a natural overflow after the foundation is laid.
1: Yes. It was amazing to me as a dad who wanted just right behavior, You know, knock it off, leave them alone, don't do that, you know, those kinds of things. Uh, that when I was able to work my way from foundation, connect, coach, and up to correct, I was far more kind and empathetic and caring and more thoughtful in my consequences um, rather than annoyed and irritated and angry. And when we give consequences, how we give them is really, really important.
0: And can you say more about that? What do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, you know the the difference between you not being able to go somewhere because your room wasn't clean, like it was supposed to be clean and we talked about all that and you knew and you didn't do it and me coming in and going, "Okay, well, that's it. You're you're not going to, you know, your friend's house this afternoon. Your room's not clean, so maybe next time you'll figure it out." You know, that that sort of maybe just harsh tone and um shaming a little bit versus Ah, oh, Laura, what do you do? What have you been doing in here? Oh my goodness, you have been having a lot of fun, haven't you? Hey, let me ask you a question. What what was supposed to happen today by ten o'clock?
0: I was supposed to have my room cleaned.
1: Yeah, you remembered. And and what happened? What happened here?
0: I just got distracted and lost track of time.
1: It is so hard to keep track of time when you're having fun, isn't it? Yeah. So, well, what did we say was going to happen if you didn't have your room cleaned by 10?
0: I wouldn't get a go.
1: Yeah. That's so hard. I know you were looking forward to it. But, hey, next week you're going to get another shot at getting this room cleaned, and uh, we'll figure out something else we can do uh, this afternoon. Uh, We'll do something, all right? You know, and I I might even add to that. So next next week, what do you want to make sure you do differently to be sure that you get to go and do some of the fun things that you were planning on doing in the afternoon?
0: I'll try to remember to do what you asked.
1: Yeah, and and maybe do you need some help remembering? How will you remember?
0: Um maybe if you could set a timer for me and just check in once. Yeah,
1: you you want a little help with that getting started? Okay. Yeah, I I'd be happy to do that with you. Just to, just to help get you started.
0: I can see I'm kind of laughing inside. I can't wait for my mom to hear this because I'm sure it sounds very familiar from many years ago. (laughs) But that's helpful to hear your gentle approach to that. You're on the team, same team with your child.
1: Yeah, the difference between the two for me when I started out was just really a stark difference. And I was like, wow, I can be I can I think I can respect myself in how I did that the second way. And I think my child will actually respect that as well, uh, as opposed to me coming in and being all angry and accusatory. Uh, And then, you know, the other part that I'm working at doing with you there is to help build a skill. Like you were saying, I'm going to do it, you know, I'm just going to remember. And I'm like, well, how do you want to remember? Like, how do you want to be successful next time? Uh, As opposed to, well, just hope for the best here. So, yeah, I think I think that framework has been super helpful to recognize I can be firm and kind at the same time, which was like a a news news break for me.
0: I think it sounds so appealing as a parent to be prepared and to stay one step ahead of our phase of life rather than simply sailing along until things aren't working. But how can we actually do that?
1: Yeah, you know. It is really easy to get into just day-to-day survival mode isn't it <laughs> It's uh you know we're going to do this all over again but I think having some level of intentionality uh is important uh a lot of times I'll coach with parents especially parents of teens and they'll say something along the lines of like we just don't know how how we got here like we didn't really set out for this this spot that we find ourselves in and And yet here we are. And so I think sometimes that just speaks to me about just not having kind of a thoughtful plan or, you know, kind of intentionality built in. And so trying to get the perspective of where do we want things to be six months from now? I'll tell people when I'm coaching, I'm not coaching you for tomorrow because the kids you have today are likely the same kids you're going to have tomorrow. But if you start doing things differently today, three to six months from now, I'm guessing there could be some pretty significant change. Oftentimes we act surprised by things we know we're going to see. (laughs) We're like, what? Your room's not clean? In reality, if the room were clean, we'd be like, what? Your room is clean, right? It's like, okay, hold on a second. If we've been paying attention to what's going on with our kids, we can anticipate so much of what is going to happen just based on what we've observed in the recent past. So I think that intentionality is pretty important.
0: As we think about toddlers to teenagers, how do you recommend we stay well-connected to our kids throughout all of those developmental phases?
1: Yeah, strong connection. And so, you know, when we think about the definition or the way that I talked about connection early on, that our kids understand that we know them, we love them, we enjoy them, that outside of behavior challenges, that we are strongly knowing, loving, and enjoying our kids recognize that with toddlers, your agenda as a parent is not their agenda. I think that's a helpful thing for me to remember. It's like they are in their own little world. And just because you say, hey, five minutes and we're going to be leaving the house doesn't mean that that has even landed on them. They don't know what five minutes means and they don't really care about what your agenda is here. And so just remember when we're talking about toddlers, it's teaching, it's a training phase. You're as a parent working to develop some good patterns and responses to kind of typical or normal struggles. One of the things that I recognize often with toddlers is that they are wonderful observers, but they're awful interpreters. They observe things. I spilled the milk. And then they interpret it. And then, you know, two minutes later, mom and dad were arguing. So I spilled the milk. So now my parents are arguing because of me. You know, I've got lots of examples with my own kids, just about um, things that they would observe. One of my daughters said, oh, dad, um, the Santiago's got a new vehicle. Uh, do you want to know why? <laughs> she was like six or seven. Like, she had no clue. I was convinced. She had no idea why. And I was like, yeah, why did they get a new vehicle? And she said, well, <laughs> she's like, you just thought she's making it up. She observed something. And then she said, well, their daughter got married, and then they they didn't have a vehicle, so they gave them their vehicle, and they had to get a different one. And I said, oh, wow, that's a cool story. Do you want to know what Mr. Santiago told me? <laughs> She's like, what? I said, yeah, they were renting this vehicle. It was It's called a lease. And then the people that they were renting it from, they wanted it back, so they had to get a different one. And without missing a beat, she was like, oh, right? But she makes up stories, and I think that's important to recognize with toddlers is they make up stories, even even elementary age kids, make up stories and then place meaning on it. One of the things that I encourage parents to do, and what I would start to do is just what I would call live my life out loud. Just try to I would just try to say things like my thought process. Um we're going to the store today and we're gonna get this thing. And oh, we didn't we didn't get that thing because um it wasn't on sale, right? It's like I just try to fill in the blanks for my kids uh, so they can have a an accurate interpretation uh, of what they're observing. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. Live my life out loud. That's so helpful. In our house, my husband loves golf, and we call those swing thoughts. Yes. We've even posted some articles on the Savvy Sauce website about swing thoughts for life. So that will be added to our repertoire.
1: Yes, yeah, and I think just briefly with school age kids, they're seeking independence, right? They're growing in their skills. You're starting to see them be able to be more capable uh, in uh, so many different things, and and in you know school age kids, they're beginning to engage with a wider range of people, and uh, oftentimes people who have different values, and so they'll start testing some things out. It's like, oh, I wonder why we do why we do this, or comparing families, and then I think the preteens and the teens. I think one of the, the the things that I said to my oldest daughter when she was a preteen, I said, you know what? There's going to be a time. <laughs> this was news to her because she didn't really, uh, she didn't believe me at first. But there are going to be times where we just disagree on some things and that's going to be okay. You're you're getting to an age where you're starting to think for yourself more and that's going to be okay. Right? And one of the framings that I'll use sometimes is it's the parent's job to keep the kids inside the fence. And it's the teen's job to get out and become independent. And those two jobs will occasionally have some differing perspectives. And uh, But we're in this together, and we love each other, and we're for each other, and we're going to make it through. We're going to be okay, right? So I think even normalizing some of that uh, as, we, as we get to those places is helpful. Like, oh, we shouldn't be shocked when we disagree on some things that's okay. It's it's how it works. And we're growing and we love each other and we're for each other.
0: And I'd love for you just to expand even more on those phases. So can you just give us a little overview of what you're hoping to see across those age categories from toddlers to teens?
1: Yeah, I think what I'm after initially is to make sure that my kids know how to do what I'm asking them to do. Sometimes I think kids get in trouble for things that they don't necessarily have the they don't have the skills to do. Some of it we're looking at you know from the toddler perspective. uh, We are teaching and training. If there's going to be a consequence, there needs to be a pretty immediate consequence for a three-year-old who doesn't remember what happened 20 minutes ago. Now they're getting in trouble for something that they didn't even know they did, uh, or they you know hasn't been talked about until uh, a little bit later. So it needs to be pretty quick in terms of providing a consequence at that point. And when I know that somebody can, can do what I'm asking them to do, uh, and they have shown that they can do that, then I think that assures me that, yep, this might just be a, a place where a consequence is needed to help them grow and learn. Uh, and when I think about consequences, I'm, really, I'm thinking about wisdom-building consequences. I'm not thinking about something just sharp and punitive, uh, but something that grows wisdom in our kids. And I think school-age kids, they're at a place where their priorities are probably a little different than than their parents. But getting into good habits, good rhythms and routines. Uh, Lynn Jackson, a co-founder at Connected Families, talks about giving kids what she calls a just-right challenge. And that we want to challenge our kids to be able to accomplish a goal, cleaning their room. Sometimes I think this is easily associated with like reading a book. Uh, something that something that's challenging to do, and they can accomplish about eighty percent of the time. If they can do it hundred percent of the time, it doesn't stretch them and grow them. And if they, you know, if they can never do it, it's super discouraging. And so, just thinking about giving kids kind of that just right challenge, uh, especially school age kids. Uh, and again, consequences. Oftentimes, screens are a big deal. You know, so we can we can provide consequences if you can't get off your screen when I'm asking you to off your screen, and now you're asking me for more screen time, I'd like to see that you're able to be responsible with getting off the screen now before I add more screen time to your schedule. So I think those kinds of things are, are super practical. I think they make sense for kids. It's like, oh, yeah, so if I see two weeks of getting off the screen when you're supposed to, then we can talk about maybe adding a little bit. Versus just giving in to demands, which I think is really easy for parents to do, but not very beneficial for kids.
0: You're saying if we always would give in to their, like if it's whining or complaining or their demands as children? Yes. Yes. Yeah
1: you know, stay away from that. And and if I do give in, I am teaching them to whine more and complain more and kind of badger me more. Uh, And that's just not something I want to reinforce. And
0: now a brief message from our sponsor. With over 1,600 apartment units available and with every price range covered, you will have plenty of options when you rent through Lehman Property Management Company. They have townhomes, duplexes, studios, and garden style options located in many areas throughout Pekin. In Peoria, a historic downtown location and apartments adjacent to the OSF Medical Center provide excellent choices. Check out their brand new luxury property in Peoria Heights overlooking the boutique shops and fine dining on Prospect. And in Morton, they offer a variety of apartment homes with garages, a hot downtown location, and now a brand new high-end complex near Idlewood Park. Their beautiful, spacious apartments with private garages in a quiet but convenient location await you in Washington. And if you're looking in Canton, don't miss Village Square Apartments. Stop by their website at midwestshelters.com. What are the best practices you've seen parents lead with over the years?
1: Yeah, I think the the most helpful thing and maybe the the hardest thing to do is to be a parent who can separate their own identity from their kids behavior what i mean by that is you know i was i was teaching a parenting course at my home church and uh, not something i would typically advise for people <laughs> <laughs> so i was teaching a parenting course and i just got out of graduate school i knew far more than i know now i was doing the the parenting uh course, and everybody was super excited about it, very complimentary of me. I came around the corner uh and I looked down the hallway and I saw one of my kids chasing a friend, and then they ran smack dab into the pasture uh with coffee in his hands and I was like oh, no. it's like it's like one of those holy Spirit moments right where everything slows way down, and it's like the Holy Spirit said, What are you worried about and the obvious <laughs> response for me was I'm not worried about." hot coffee. I'm not worried about the pastor, my daughter, or the friend. I'm worried somebody's going to say, whose kid is that? And then the answer would be, oh yeah, it's the guy teaching the parenting course down the hall. That's his kid. And it's at that point, it was probably the first time in my parenting life I went, I'm getting value from my kids and they cannot, they cannot give me value, right? My value is secure. My identity is secure. And uh, if, if I'm finding value from something other than God, then I've created an idol uh, and I've put responsibility on my children now to somehow have to caretake me <laughs> and and my emotions and my well-being. And so, you know, that, that feels really heavy. I mean, that's, that's, that's the deep end of the pool. Um, but it's the work when I see parents do that work of going, hold on a second, what's going on inside of me before I ask the question, what am I going to do? And so I think another best practice that, I, that I've that i seen over the years and we've implemented and I encourage lots of parents to do it uh, is to have some form of a family meeting. And we called our family meetings Fabulous Family Fun Night. Uh, and we started off with fun and we made it fun and enjoyable and then just had a little meeting section in there. Uh, but really setting up schedules, practicing new behaviors, new actions, a lot of times parents tend to try to teach new skills in the middle of what I would call game time. So your kids are fighting like cats and dogs and you are trying to get their attention, knock it off, leave them alone, go to your room, whatever it might be. And they and they try to teach something in there. What I think we learn from sports and music and other places is that the good teacher, the good coach doesn't run out into the middle of the field or in the middle of the game and say, all right, stop the game. We're going to run this play 10 times, right Right here. We're going to run it till we get it right. They just look at the talent that they have on the field, and then they come to practice the next day, and they go, now here are some things we're going to work on, so that when we work on these things, it might likely translate into the game. Same thing. If our kids are struggling and having a hard time getting along, uh, we can yell all we want, or we can say, you, you need to stop fighting. It's not teaching a new skill, all right, so so family meetings were a time where we could actually teach a new skill. It's like, hey, I've just been noticing <laughs> that over the last several days, things have been a little tense between a couple people here. And I wonder, how do we want to resolve that? Like when we start to feel tense or angry or annoyed, how can we do that? What would that look like? And now let's practice role-playing skits. I love doing stuff like that. Our kids would, would like that too. Uh, we'd practice and then we would send them back, you know, then we'd watch when that conflict arose again and we'd see if they brought the new skills in with them or not.
0: That's a great idea, Chad. And I once heard you share that when we place a strong emphasis on proactive connection, then the need for correction tends to decrease over time. So will you just elaborate on that thought?
1: Yeah, for context, there are I think there are maybe three loosely grouped reasons that kids misbehave. One is physical factors, two payoffs, and three they're discouraged. And uh the second one, payoffs, are really the inadvertent reward for misbehavior. Okay, one of the most common feelings I think I had uh with young kids was I would start to feel annoyed. What I encourage parents to do is to just consider when you feel annoyed, just ask yourself the question, is this child trying to connect with me? Do they want connection here with me? And oftentimes as parents, we give what I call skittles of connection, which are things like, knock it off. I'm busy. I can't do that right now. Leave them alone. And we, we kind of give these these big, intense emotional responses And I think our kids are after our intense emotional response. So when we give them that in negative ways, we reinforce the fact that that's how you connect with me. You do annoying things and you get strong connection with me. So if we can think through the lens of how do I proactively connect with that child? Does that child know they're going to get my attention or are they just kind of struggling and fighting over whatever scraps fall off the table, the table scraps of connection here. And so if I can give them big connection in proactive ways, then they're less likely to have to get that negative attention from me. When I talk about strong connection, leads to decreased correction over time. Your child starts to believe, I don't have to do those things anymore because I'm going to get strongly connected with my parent you know, doing this. So even setting up a time 10 minutes a day or 20 minutes every three days, but hey, Tuesdays at seven o'clock, that's when you and me, we do our thing, right? I can't wait for that. Allows for the child to anticipate that. And if kids know strong connection is coming, there's a good likelihood that they're going to be able to hold off getting the little scraps uh, when they know that the full meal is coming as well. So That's kind of a a little bit of an unpacking of of that saying.
0: I love that because then that payoff one, if you're correcting that with the connection, you're saying that that won't solve everything. Like sometimes when they're hungry and tired, they may still act out in disobedience, but it at least addresses one of the three.
1: Yeah, and physical factors is the first one that I mentioned. And, you know, I worked with a family who... When things would start to get a little um, off the rails, or, or tension would go go high, or behavior challenges started to arise, they they would start with, uh, "Are you are you hungry? Are you tired? Are you anxious? Do you need some exercise?" Right, like because they know those are those physical factors were important, and that's where living your life out loud can come into play as well. When I just say, oh, man, I'm starting to feel irritated right now. I think my body's telling me that I need some food. I'm going to grab a cheese stick here to get me to dinner, and uh, I think that'll help me a lot. Okay, I'm just modeling, hey, my body's telling me something. I'm going to listen to it, and now I'm going to start inviting my kids to listen to their bodies as well. Like, what's your body telling you? Oh, wow, you seem like you're really tired. What What's your body saying to you? So they can start to get kind of cued into to what's going on uh, with them as well.
0: Okay, this is really good. So you've given us proactive tools for the physical needs and also the payoffs. And could you share about the third one as well?
1: Yeah, discouragement is something that I think takes a little bit longer to set in. And so maybe is something that you might see in a preteen or a teenager. Uh, where over time, they've received messages, kind of identity-forming messages, that they're maybe mean or naughty or out of control or they're a liar or they're disrespectful or they're irresponsible or they're irritating or whatever it is. And over time, they start to internalize that and they go, well, I guess if that's what you think about me, then that's what I'll be. I'll show you that I am mean and naughty and out of control. And that's where and I think at Connected Families, we get (laughs) kind of get protective of that that kiddo who's really a a challenge and protecting the identity of that kiddo. We've got to have a different name than mean, naughty, out of control. It's like, wow, you are persevering. (laughs) You are really determined. You are persistent, you know exactly what you want and you tell me exactly what you want right when you want it. Those are good things. How you're using that right now? Mm, that's probably not so helpful. Okay, so let's now start to deal with that. So I think that's a that that discouragement really is protecting the child's identity, like growing them in a true identity of who they are in Christ and repeating that back to them and encouraging them with that. Most kids who are super discouraged don't need to be told how wrong or bad they are. They already have a strong sense for that.
0: Well, and as Christians, simply modifying our children's behavior is not the end goal.
1: So no.
0: how can we discipline in a way that connects with our child at a deeper level for maximum positive impact?
1: Yeah, and I think it comes back to how we engage in a discipline situation speaks loudly to our kids about how God deals with us when we sin. It's really holy ground. We're thinking through the lens of reconciliation, and there's teaching that I would encourage parents to do around reconciliation and restoration. The goal here is, in the, in the book that Jim and Lynn Jackson uh, wrote, called Discipline That Connects With Your Child's Heart. At Connected Families, that is, we've got an online course and other things that just, that just kind of feed out of that. But but not just discipline that connects, but discipline that gets to the heart of the child. Because we know that when a child's heart is inclined towards us or towards God, that the behaviors tend to follow that. But if it's just behavior modification, it's super short-sighted as parents. feels a lot easier in the short run to just go, okay, well, I can do this trick to get my kid to behave well. But the bottom line here is is we really need to teach the importance of reconciled relationships. And so when a behavior challenge happens, if we've done some teaching around that, talking a little bit about uh, how do we resolve conflict, at Connected Families we have something we call the peace process that helps parents even just talk through how do we resolve conflict? What does it look like? It's such an important time for kids to understand that Grace and forgiveness. I think where the gospel comes home to life. There's one kid that um, is is uh, quoted as saying, just after learning about and experiencing reconciliation and forgiveness and making it right when he's made it wrong. He said, "I love asking for forgiveness (laughs) because I can receive grace and mercy and be free from the weight of what I did." And that's that's just the gospel. Is uh, our ability to to receive forgiveness. Uh, and be able to walk in right relationship again.
0: We can all relate to that. You know we always want to give you more than we receive from you, so we want to continue giving you access to these awesome guests on every episode, give you quick tips for intentional living through our articles at thesavvysauce.com, and give you quick and easy access to transformational resources under our resource tab at thesavvysauce.com. Even our sponsors are generous and they want to give you discounts as well, so make sure you check out each episode's show notes to utilize the discounts offered. And in return, the one thing that we ask you to do is to use our links when you're going to make a purchase. When you buy anything through one of the links in our show notes or our website, the Savvy Sauce gets a little kickback, and all that support adds up over time. We want to continue growing our team. So this is one way you can help us get better in the future. Thanks so much for your support. What are some strategies we can implement to self-regulate ourselves as parents when our children are misbehaving?
1: Yeah, that's the work, right? That's where we start at Connected Families and the Foundation. And it's such a good question. It's an insightful question. Uh, that really the goal here is to not sin against my child in anger, okay? while believing true things about myself and my child. James 1.19 says everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry, because human anger doesn't produce the righteous living that God desires. And so coming to grips and and, uh, taking a quick look at my own responses to my kids modeling getting ourselves under control i don't think there's a much of a chance that our kids will learn to control their anger and their sharp responses if i'm not leading them in that direction so some practical things one mom that we worked with she said that she was going to put lotion rub lotion into her hands before she would say anything to her kids when she was angry and uh, she told her kids this is what she was going to do and the the next time she came back for coaching the next uh, session. She's like, well, how did it go? It's like, well, I didn't do it every time. It wasn't perfect in that. But she said, I, w- I did it a number of times where I would start to get angry. I was going to say something and I I rubbed lotion into my hands and my kids would be like, oh, mom's getting the lotion. <laughs> it's like, But then what she would say about that to her kids, it's like, when I am angry, I say mean and hurtful. And unkind or untrue things to you, and I don't want to do that. Right? That's why I'm putting lotion in my hands. And so, you yeah, you could say, "Oh man, I'm starting to feel angry right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do ten push-ups." Why? Because physical physical exertion helps our brain to calm down. Rubbing lotion, rubbing our hands, okay, causes our brain to calm down. And uh, there's a saying that motion changes emotion. And so you can go on a walk, or sit down, or get a drink, or pray. Okay, there are a lot of things that, that we can do as we model that for our kids. Dragon breaths, take five breaths, or breathe in through your nose, blow fire out your mouth. Okay, But it's all in an attempt to help our kids and help us recognize that when we're angry, we tend to hurt each other. And we want to protect each other from our anger, from our baggage. Uh, and so those are a few things that I think parents can, can consider doing to help their kids as well kids will pick that stuff up. And uh, as we model it, that uh, will be important for them as well.
0: Do you see any themes in homes that are more peaceful where the family members are bonded to each other in a healthy way?
1: Yeah, when I think about peaceful, and I think my thinking about this has changed over the years, I would have thought the peaceful bonded home would be the one absent of conflict. But what i would see at this point is that peaceful and bonded families aren't absent of conflict or struggles really they they just recognize that we are sinful people living under the same roof and we will have conflict but what they are doing is growing in grace for each other they're learning some tools about how to resolve conflict uh even how to protect each other from their anger and then the joy of being in a reconciled relationships, and so I think parents oftentimes set themselves up and their kids by comparing themselves to other people. How do we just focus in in here and know that we can be at peace, knowing that when we blow it we're going we're going to have a process in place that allows for us to be reconciled
0: okay, and to elaborate on peace, then, do you have any recommendations for promoting peace? specifically between siblings?
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, we have have an entire online course called Sibling Conflict where we really talk about this peace process. We teach to parents to help teach their kids. And there are really four steps to the peace process. The first one is one that I've talked about a couple times. Just calm down. No problem will get solved in a very helpful way when we're angry or elevated. And so the first step, is not come into a situation where there's sibling conflict and go, all right, now, you know, go to your rooms and, you know, start yelling. It's like, I I just remember thinking, I think what I'm doing here is pouring gas on their emotional fire. I'm just blowing the whole thing up. I'm becoming an issue in the midst of the issue here. And so calm down. How do parents enter that calmly teaching our kids? How do you understand somebody else? Not agree with them, but just understand them. And then, How do you solve the problem? And one of the things that we do at Connected Families, we talk about this consequence called make it right consequences, or if you've made it wrong with somebody, it's your responsibility to make it right, to bring reconciliation back into that relationship. And so you might have to apologize or there might need to be uh, an action that would uh, show that you want to make it right. And then the fourth one is to celebrate. You know, you two kids have done what many world leaders f- have failed to do. Right? <laughs> You've solved the problem and peacefully done it. And so calm down, understand each other, solve the problem and celebrate, whether it's a cool handshake or some dance music that comes on or whatever it might be. But we're just going to celebrate the fact that you re- you resolved the conflict and a problem.
0: And I can see a lifelong gift that we can give them if we train them to settle arguments without us. But do you have any pointers of how to do that as well?
1: Yeah, that's the work, right? Our kids aren't going to get to a place where somehow they settle arguments without having some skill building or some training in that. And so bringing it back to the peace process, I mean, that would be a good framing to be able to say, oh, wow, it sounds like you two are really really struggling here. Um, Before you figure it out, what do you need to do to calm down? So I'm asking a question. I'm not saying, now you go do this and you go do this. And if I've had conversations with my kids about this already, it won't be new to them. Before we're going to do anything to try to settle the argument, we first have to get our brains calmed down here and our bodies calmed down so we can hear each other and then we can figure some things out. So I think uh, that new skill building happens during practice time. And one one of my favorite stories from a family is I got a picture from parents that I'd coach with, and about six or eight months later, they sent me yeah they sent me this picture after they were done with coaching, and they said we came across this scenario, and it was a sister with a big back massager on her little brother, and uh, the backstory was that sister had pushed brother off the trampoline. He was mad, she was mad. He said he'd get off, but then he didn't, and so off he went uh, by force. Uh, And they said, that's the first time that we remember our kids solving a problem with each other without our involvement. We'd taught them. We'd gone over it. It had been six or eight months. There had been plenty of practice opportunities, and they saw some fruit. It's like, oh, wow. And that was the solution. That was kind of the, the make it right consequences, that sister shouldn't have pushed brother off. And uh, she was going to give him ten minutes of a back massage. <laughs> so that's that's good, right? I wouldn't have probably come up with that. Uh, but the kids were creative, and they and they came to a place where they settled the disagreement in a way that where both of them were smiling in the picture.
0: And good fruit is so encouraging. Yes. But parenting. I'm sure so many of us can experience shame when we think of how we fail to do it perfectly every day. So I just want to step back and gain some perspective. How do you think God's grace applies to everything we've been discussing so far today?
1: It's encompass everything that we've talked about. It is really hard to give grace away if you've not received it for yourself. Uh, And there are plenty of times where myself many families that i know where where we even we know better and we still find ourselves doing the same thing or responding in ways that we just are not very happy about or wish that we could do differently and and it kind of brings me back and reflecting a number of times on first peter 2:24 that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds we have been healed and There are times where I need to confess to the Lord that I am not parenting from a place that I I want to be parenting from. I'm responding out of anger or another place where I think as parents we respond is out of fear or anxiety. We start to think or think things like, man, if if we don't get this figured out pretty soon, how's this kid ever going to, (laughs) you know, fill in the blank? And I just call that catastrophizing the the future of the child, right? Oh, it's going to be awful. And so recognizing that God's grace is with you today, that he's walking alongside of you and me as parents, we're not parenting alone, that he cares deeply for our kids. But to be able to receive that, uh, recognize that I'm doing the best that I can. I'm growing, I'm learning, and I'm modeling as well humility to my kids so I think there are times where we mess up and we can just come to our kids and say, wow, that's just not the parent I wanted to be today. I said some things that were fairly harsh or my tone wasn't right or I think I kind of shamed you in some ways. And, and if I could do that over again, and then I just encourage parents to do it over. Say, here's what I would have wanted to say. What's going on in here? Man, it sounds like there's some big emotions taking place. Do you need something for me or can you figure this out yourself? Right, rather than you kids, if you can't get this figured, you know, just all the stuff. It's like, oh, I'm going to try it again. I think that actually brings hope to our kids as well. It's like, oh, my parents don't have it all figured out, and they're humble enough to say they don't, and they're working on trying some things differently, as well. And so, grace is is around it all. We need God's grace. We will never be at a place where we're like, yep. I think we got it. No need for that anymore. We need God's grace in our life, and then we can pass it on to our kids because they need it too.
0: That's right. And clearly, Chad, you are a wise coach and wise counselor. And if anyone wants to follow up with resources you have available, where can they find more online?
1: Yeah, you can go to connectedfamilies.org. I always tell people that the way to dip your toe into the Connected Families pool, if you're interested, is you know, just sign up for our parenting tips. We send them out once a week. You know, really work hard at giving good, solid content for parents. We've got a blog. We've got podcasts as well, uh, Connected Families Podcasts, just easy ways to to be encouraged as a parent. And so that's kind of our our heart behind what we're doing is recognizing that parents are doing the best that they can. We want to come alongside and equip and encourage and train. So as parents, we can disciple our kids in ways that are God-honoring and that grow skills in our kids.
0: Wonderful. We'll make it easy to find those links in our show notes today. And you know that we're called the Savvy Sauce because savvy is synonymous with practical knowledge or insight. And so as my final question for you today, Chad, what is your savvy sauce?
1: (laughs) I love it. Uh, It's a short one, four words for parents. Connect before you correct.
0: Connect before you correct. I love it. That sums everything up from today. And this conversation with you was so full of grace and seasoned with salt. And I just really appreciate your approach and your perspective. So thank you for being my guest today.
1: Uh, Laura, it's my privilege. Thank you for having me on.
0: One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news and I want to share the best news with you. But it starts with the bad news. Every single one of us were born sinners and God is perfect and holy so he cannot be in the presence of sin. Therefore, we're separated from him. This means there's absolutely no chance we can make it to heaven on our own. So for you and for me, It means we deserve death and we can never pay back the sacrifice we owe to be saved. We need a savior. But God loved us so much, he made a way for his only son to willingly die in our place as the perfect substitute. This gives us hope of life forever in right relationship with him. That is good news. Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live and died in our place for our sin. This was God's plan to make a way to reconcile with us so that God can look at us and see Jesus. We can be covered and justified through the work Jesus finished if we choose to receive what he has done for us. Romans 10:9 says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take our place. I pray someone today, right now, is touched and chooses to turn their life over to you. Will you clearly guide them and help them take their next step in faith to declare you as Lord of their life? We trust you to work and change the lives now for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are declaring, him for me, so me for him you get the opportunity to live your life for Him. At this podcast, we are called Savvy for a reason. We want to give you practical tools to implement the knowledge you have learned. So you're ready to get started? First, tell someone. Say it out loud. Get a Bible. The first day I made this decision, my parents took me to Barnes & Noble to get the Quest NIV Bible and I love it. Start by reading the book of John. Get connected locally which basically means just tell someone who is part of the church in your community that you made a decision to follow Christ. I'm assuming they will be thrilled to talk with you about further steps, such as going to church and getting connected to other believers to encourage you. We want to celebrate with you too, so feel free to leave a comment for us if you made a decision for Christ. We also have show notes included where you can read scripture that describes this process. Finally, be encouraged.